Hi, people, and welcome to the Hypnotizing Podcast, the podcast about hypnosis, transformation, and healing. This is Dr. Liz. Today's interview is with David Norton. He did the hypnosis for childbirth that was talked about on episode 14 with my friend Natalie Rawlings. So I tracked him down and asked for an interview, and he said, absolutely. He has been doing hypnosis for 44 years. So he is quite the experienced practitioner. He is full of wisdom and interesting stories about hypnosis. He has studied with some major names in the development of hypnotherapy in the U.S. Erickson, Bandler, and Grinder when they were developing NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, and Hillgard. So let's get to it and hear his stories and his wisdom. I'm here with Dave Norton, who I'm very pleased to have on the show. He's a very experienced hypnotherapist. Tell us first how long you've been doing hypnotherapy. Just over 40 years. Woo, 40 years. And, um, jumped into it in the late 70s. Certainly in the course of 40 years, I've um, dabbled in and out of almost every other kind of therapy as well. Mm-hmm. And like you'll hear from probably a lot of seasoned uh, hypnotists, you get to a point where you see all therapy as hypnosis. Mm-hmm. I'm, mu- I'm much more on the newer side, so I've only been doing it a couple of years or so. Mm-hmm. But the more I do it, the more I love it, one. And two, the more I see that any type of therapy is, is a certain type of hypnosis when, you know, once you're in the session and you're in the flow with the client. Mm-hmm. I think that hypnosis has a reputation for uh, sometimes these kind of quick and miracle cures. And that is the case quite often in almost a spectacular sense. But that's not the bulk of my practice or I think any hypnotherapist practice. Those are kind of the icing on the cake sometimes. But nonetheless, in long-term cases, couples therapy, addictions, depression, anxiety, there's many different little elements of hypnosis that in a session you're going to want to pull out or utilize that become extremely helpful and valuable. And that, um, again, no matter what the theoretical orientation is, therapists should have some of these things handy because, again, a lot of our job is to lessen suffering. Can you take me back to how you originally got into it? Like, what was your original interest? You know, it's a therapist. You hear stories about mothers. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I was in grad school in psychology at University of Buffalo, and I was very unhappy with it. I just got an English degree, which is really where I learned a lot of psychology. And I had wonderful people there, the beat poets and, you know, the people far out. They were in a more, what I would learn later would be a Jungian approach. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't allowed in psychology at the time. Behavior modification, electric shock, there were very limitations to how, what treatment options they were teaching. And uh, in the midst of this, I was smoking cigarettes and I hated it. And my mother said, you know, for a birthday present, it cost $50. I'm going to send you downtown Buffalo, and there's a hypnotist there, and you'll hypnotize you to quit smoking. And I laughed all the way there. I mm-hmm. thought, ridiculous. There's no such thing as hypnosis. You know, I would have learned about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went in there, and it was an interesting place. And you sat in a chair looking at a big poster, and somebody mumbled in a low voice, and you paid the $50. And I laughed, and I said, this is the biggest waste of money I've ever seen. And they said, okay, 
Three days later, I went back. I said, what did you do? I didn't mm-hmm. want a cigarette. I couldn't remember a cigarette. <laughs> Cigarettes were done. And it was the easiest thing in the world. Wow. And um, essentially, uh, they said, look, you know, we're this growing company. We're looking to hire some people. Why don't you take a chance and we'll train you in hypnosis? And this mm. was called Therapeutic Hypnosis of America. And it was founded by Dr. James McMillan, who I later would learn had mm-hmm. training from Milton Erickson. Mm-hmm. So it really was just this phenomena that I, I was just stunned to investigate. And the next step for me was um, through a friend, I was able to connect with Ernest Hilgard at Stanford University, who was um, the man in experimental psychology at the time. Mm-hmm. And he took me under his wing and he sent me kind of like a home study course, uh, tutoring me in the whole academic and historical area of hypnosis, which just opened up something I had no idea existed, how far back this went, all the controversies, the coming, the going, mm-hmm. treatment in the, at the end of the First World War with hypnosis treating battle shock or what we now call post-traumatic stress. And, yes, yeah. You know, and again, now the, the need for something like that is opposed to treatments that aren't working. There's a fascinating history of hypnosis. We can just go on and on, you know, and we can start with Freud and Jung, who started out as hypnotists. Mm. I wasn't aware of that. They did. Uh, Freud's mentor was Charcot, and this led to the discovery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Charcot's like, right, the founding father, basically, of hypnosis. Freud was kind of a lousy hypnotist, but (laughs) the the story goes that, um, you know, you've read this in the Freud 101. He's working with a woman with hysterical paralysis, who we find later on has been sexually abused, but nobody pays attention to that back then. And he uses hypnosis to elicit a cure, and she sits down and plays the piano, and she plays beautifully. And right, and Freud's wife is sort of coming into the room here watching this, unbeknownst to Freud. So when she finishes the piece, she turns around and essentially jumps on Sigmund, kissing him in thanks for this. And afterwards, Freud's wife said, no more of this hypnosis stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And, you know, that's the story where from then on, he's separated from the the client. And, you know, that's sort of one of the little caveats. It's a little more Mm -hmm. complicated than that. With Jung, um, he was an advocate of hypnosis in a spiritual sense, investigating. It was a big part of his, his thesis in paranormal psychology when he was writing his PhD. And he was teaching um, in Switzerland, I forget the school where he was teaching, famous medical school. Bernheim is his supervisor. Bernheim and Charcot are connected, all this stuff. So Jung is um, teaching hypnosis and demonstrating it. And there are pictures of his classroom where he's suspending two people on the ends of a broom, doing demonstrating catalepsy, just a number of classic hypnotic phenomena. So one day he's lecturing in the classroom and one of his students' mothers comes in the room and she's on crutches and she's paralyzed. And uh, he hypnotizes her and it's a demonstration in the class. And then she won't come out of trance in a panic. He, this has never occurred. He doesn't know what mm-hmm. he's trying to be, you know, not look at, it exposes anxiety in front of the classroom. Eventually they leave and she's still there, but she comes out of trance. And when she does, she gets up and walks and has this miracle cure. Wow. Well, it turns out that she was quite wealthy and she gave him a very handsome endowment. 
but the experience steered him away from any further public demonstrations of it because he lost control in mm-hmm. that session. And that was not something he was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting thing that this phenomenal success that occurred actually is one of the things that steered him in a more theoretical um, direction, which, you know, I'm certainly happy of. <laughs> yes, right. We get to benefit from that. But that is interesting mm-hmm. for both their cases, mm-hmm. the success actually mm-hmm. steered them away from it. Mm-hmm. So the history kind of goes up and down and, you know, a lot of interesting people, medical hypnosis, um, the mm-hmm. Spiegels, the Kroger inventing natural childbirth with hypnosis in America. Mm-hmm. And then I came across um, Milton Erickson. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, here was a man who uh, suffered in life, who was paralyzed, crawled across cornfields in the winter to build up his arm muscles, went on a mm-hmm. canoe trip with couldn't walk and, you know, managed to just learn to observe people closely and steadfastly, you know, followed the the muse of hypnosis his whole life and took it in places that none of us have ever really reached yet you know mm-hmm. the work yeah of- he had a he had a gift mm-hmm. he really did i mean from his books from people who have interacted with him directly students he really had a, a gift so i'm going through this horrendous divorce back in the end of the 70s mm-hmm. i have a little girl and my ex-wife is often somewhere else and i'm going to new york and studying with uh, bamler and grinder for $35 mm-hmm. a session in Prince Street, I believe it was. So that's in the village. Mm-hmm. And this is like a revolution to me. Um, this NLP makes sense to me. I studied yeah. linguistics as an undergraduate, and it was just. Let me pause you just for a minute that mm-hmm. for the listeners, NLP is neuro linguistic programming. It's a form of hypnosis, really, that comes out in speech and how you speak and how you use your speech actually to affect change. That's very well put. The the breakthrough at the time was that every theory of hypnosis just didn't hold up. And was it a state? Was it not a state? Was it just a behavior? Was it, but there were so many complications. And then they begin to look at this kind of linguistic analysis and structure that gave you a learnable set of tools uh, modeled on Erickson that was just nowhere in the field anywhere. Uh, So it was just very, very exciting. But a number of us made a pilgrimage to Erickson right before he died in Arizona. There was just, everybody was trying to see him. And I was with this group. I was going through a really rough time. Through childhood injuries, I've always had trouble hearing. And it was really frustrating because he has a thick accent and he was partially paralyzed in uh, his mouth or tongue at the time. I don't even know what it was, but it was very hard for me. I couldn't understand a word he said, but I was too young and naive at the time to let that on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, in the course of it, he did a piece of hypnosis that stayed with me ever since. Somehow he implanted himself in my dreams as a teacher and I would have systematic dreams show up where Erickson would tell me how to apply certain aspects of his hypnosis. And over the course of the 40 years, he's grown up. And he's about wow. in his upper 50s right now in my dreams. Lovely. Like, what a 
lovely gift if we could all have that. A, yeah. a generative piece in hypnosis. And he's yes. and I use this quite often with people where you you put in a dream component, some sort of you know, missing piece in your development that just nurtures you along from your unconscious. Mm-hmm. And his expansion into that kind of um you know, that kind of approach, just as I said, it opens up healing on so many different levels. Um, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And again, the body-mind stuff, which I, you know, comes into my office every so often, where you, you know, you just say, you know, ask your unconscious to express this thing differently than this disease mm-hmm. and make sure it's going to be okay. Um, it's amazing what happens. Yeah, absolutely it is. It, it really is. Our ability for what I say, our imagination, our unconscious to affect change for us. Like I Mm -hmm. just. There was a girl that came in suffering from MS, not a good prognosis and Mm -hmm. not a good medical prognosis. And there was a father abandonment issue as well in this. In the course of the hypnosis, the transformation she went through was phenomenal. The disease I don't even know if it, it became a non-issue. She became energetic, healthy, changed her diet, started a business, mm. and ended up having a little factory. Wow. <laughs> How long just, did you work with her for like a couple of sessions? Or was it, was it more like years. a year, two like years? Off and, on. and she okay. also sought many other forms of psychotherapy, kind of women empowerment, mm-hmm. um, she really went at this in terms of what we would just call that mind-body-emotional connection. It was just one of these transformations you get to witness in this work, you know, which mm-hmm. is Ericksonian, to see, wow, he was so on. We need to do more of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, that's one that came to mind, because you actually look like her a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. I do find when I work with people that it's helpful for them to come at it at different angles. It's not like, okay, this is going to be the end all and the one solution and the one magic pill. It's like, this is a tool to help you resolve some of these things to help you make change. And you can also do this, this, and this, you know, if if you want to go to acupuncture or a nutritionist, it's like, yeah, all of that stuff is going to help. Jung and Milton Erickson steadfastly believe that everyone had some sort of inner healer that we just needed to sort of pay attention to in some way, shape or form or soul guidance. I'm not sure how to actually verbalize that. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things that Erickson said to me a long time ago was just so simple and therapists have to keep kicking themselves to remember this, do good work and then get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right. My own therapist used to tell me that it's mm-hmm. <laughs> good work and get out of the way. Yes. Yeah. It's wonderful. The bulk of your practice now is a, a real mix of clientele. It's what you're seeing like couples and it's not just hypnosis. Right. Um, as I said, sometimes <clears throat> an, an interesting or challenging case will come by and, as I, I mentioned, the man with the REM behavioral disorder, that was, you know, I was just had no idea what to do with that. It's so out of the realm of the usual and then and had a great success with it. But for the most part, <clears throat> you know, I like to refer to this as just working in the trenches with um, mm-hmm. so many issues, a few adolescents, couples, 
uh, violence in in homes, um, heroin mm. is rampant. Um, mm. So you know, and and I have several social workers that I work with, and in a way, as I said, we're all knee deep in in a lot of things like that. Um, yeah, and. Uh, again, we're all using whenever we can a lot of Ericsson stuff because really in that in that population where we're not really going towards a lot of insight work, let's say, uh, but we can affect a lot of quick behavioral change, attitude change, um, open things up, flexibility. One of the simplest things to do with a, a couple or an individual stuck you know, you know, repetitive negative cycle is simply to hypnotize them because one of the characteristics of hypnotic trance is increased flexibility mm-hmm. or suggestibility. You can call it either one. And it means you open up to ideas. And, you know, sometimes when I'm frustrated, you know, couples battling, nobody's giving in this, I'll go, okay, shut up, I'm going to hypnotize you. And one of the things you begin to see when you're hypnotizing a couple is how quickly their breathing, their heart rate, their body postures becomes synchronistic. Yes. And that in itself is therapeutic. So as I said, sometimes just having that kind of a resource is just, you know, it's helpful. Yes. You wouldn't think of it. That sounds lovely, actually. I could imagine them taking that skill and saying, okay, we can use this at home. Like maybe we're Mm -hmm. way up here. You know, my hands are up by my head. Um, like we're, we're cycling up into mm-hmm. a destructive cycle or something, but we have the ability to cycle down. We have the ability to take a breath, take a moment, mm-hmm. synchronize or, our breathing, mm-hmm. let's you know, really our, get in tune mm-hmm. with each other. Let's take our veterans from, mm-hmm. from these horrible wars and the experiences they're carrying with them. And they're devastated and they're paranoid and they're frozen and they don't, things set them off. And, mm-hmm. What do you do? Take a guy like that in trance as deep down as you can and have them find a safe place somewhere. Maybe they crawled under the porch as a kid or under the bed or maybe a certain relative held them, something like that. Mm-hmm. And how valuable going to a place like that is in, in hypnosis or if they can't think of one, to invent one. And, mm, yes. you know, so then that person begins to visit that feeling more often and more often and step by step starts to come out in the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, that application of hypnosis in all aspects of trauma is so important. Jung would call this a temenos. You have to create the vessel for the alchemy or the safe place for the change to occur. And mm-hmm. hypnotic trance is just a beautiful example of that in so many different ways. So that's where, you know, as you said, being in the trenches, which I love and very realistic day-to-day stuff and survival. And Mm -hmm. that's where this is such a blessing to be able to do that. In addition to, you know, traditional cognitive behavioral and structural therapies and things like that. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So we're coming to the end of our time here, but I wanted to know if you could, give a piece of advice to a younger hypnotherapist, like what would be the, the main piece or two or three pieces of advice you could give to someone? Well, um, join the Ericksonian foundation, go okay. to Ericksonian seminars and read as much as you can listen to his tapes that are available. Um, it will start to make sense as you begin pursuing it. Part of 
the approach to this, which is, seems so tedious when you begin to approach something like neurolinguistic programming, and they're talking about eye movements, and mm-hmm. in, in the midst of everything else, you're supposed to be wondering about that. And However, <laughs> right. across the board, I, I cheated. You know, I used little three-by-five cards, which I kept as reminders of various things. Or when you begin to study the language of neurolinguistic programming, and you can incorporate such things as saying, now, as you're listening pleasantly to the sound of my voice, a very important memory from the past is going to occur. It's going to be useful throughout the week. And quite often, that smile on your face will remind you of this time back here and the many ways you're going to you know. Uh-huh. These are things you learn from the tedious structure of um, embedded commands, changing your voice tone, um, and what what they call the meta model. And um, so I would encourage people to tediously work on that day by day because it's very valuable. And third uh, or fourth or most important, and when you really begin to understand Erickson, um, to be playful and creative with it. And that's a message in itself of hope for people. Mm-hmm. And again, the model with Erickson, he was a handicapped man, is so limited, so to die so many times, you know. He used what he could to the best he could. Mm-hmm. And that's the message you give people. Be persistent, be disciplined, use what you have and make it good. Don't try to Erickson didn't try to become a track star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so don't, you know, waste your time and things, but find out what you have and where these talents are. Use the daylights out of them. And that, again, that model of hypnosis is just across the board something important. But conceptually, that's what I would, you know, think of, of this guy in the wheelchair who was able to do so much and how all of us are in this wheelchair one way or the other. And his, you know, his life just shows us what a piece of promise and hope. He really is. Yeah, he's such an inspiration. So thank you for that. I think those are, are really valuable pieces of advice. I'm a big fan of the the little three by five cards myself. Like <laughs> I, I, I have multiple in my office. In my, uh, <laughs> my chair here. Yeah. Well, I live in New Britain, Connecticut, which is a Polish community. And okay. it's like going back to Europe with bakeries and homemade pierogies and amazing food. So I'm going off to lunch and spoil myself, but I'm envious of you because it's 17 degrees out here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is like 70 or maybe even the low eighties here. I'm not really sure. Mm. But before, before we go, can you tell people how to find you? They could tell people your website, and I know you have a couple of CDs for sale on there. So tell yeah, people how to find you. Yeah, the thing is um, my moniker was Hartford Hypnosis Center for many years ago because that's where I opened my office. So it's H-H-Y-P at AOL.com or HartfordHypnosisCenter.com or even looking in David Norton will show up my bio and information and link to the website. Okay, wonderful. And hopefully I'm going to come down there in March to visit my old college roommate and Maybe we'll say hi then. Oh, yeah. I would love to meet you in person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. I'm going to put your website in the show notes as well so that listeners can go and, and see it. And um, I really appreciate you doing the interview today. Okay, thank you great. so much. Thank you great. so much, too. Thank you. 
What an entertaining interview with Dave Norton. I really enjoyed myself and I loved hearing about some of the history of how hypnosis developed and some of the big names that he studied with, as well as how he uses hypnosis in his practice today. He's still in the trenches seeing clients using techniques that he's learned his whole life in order to affect change. I also loved hearing his tips for a newer hypnotherapist, like keep studying is basically what he said. It's worth it. Keep studying and then work that stuff into your practice until it becomes natural. What a great message. So people, that's it for this week. Remember to access your inner healer. Yeah, whenever you need to. Peace. If you like this episode, do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe on whatever player you like. Or even better, tell a friend so that more and more people learn about hypnosis and how it can be helpful for them. If you want to know more about me, head over to drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z, hypnosis.com. You can see the downloads and see if there's one that's helpful for your life. Or you could also join the newsletter and get a couple of free files as well as lots of good content. I've written a newsletter for well over 10 years. Go ahead and subscribe and join the rest of the world. All right, people, have a wonderful week.